not to get too philosophical on you, but what is the right amount of hurriedness? What's the right amount of busyness? What's the right amount of doing? And why does it always feel like we're getting it wrong? That is what we will explore today on The Shalene Show. You may have heard about the Olympic hopeful who was recently suspended for a month because she tested positive for THC, cannabis. We can agree to disagree. I personally think it's ridiculous. That's not a performance-enhancing drug. THC is probably along the lines of having a cocktail. It's going to relax you in most cases. For some people, they take it for sleep. For some people, they take it for medical reasons. It's legal in most states. Now, I think it's since come out in the story that she admitted to using THC knowingly after the death of her mother, I believe. But before I learned that, I thought to myself, there's a very good chance that she was taking a CBD product and didn't realize it had THC in it because there are many CBD products on the market that are not tested. They're not even required to be tested. So you might be taking a CBD product and not even realize that it has trace amounts of THC. It's THC that has the hallucinogenic or the mood-altering effect. The CBD itself, also from the cannabis plant, does not have any of that mood-altering effect. What it does is it taps into your central nervous system. It kind of recalibrates your central nervous system. And that's why you'll hear so many people say CBD is great for sleep and for arthritis. It's great for inflammation. And you think, well, how could one product help with all of these elements? Well, that is because it affects your central nervous system, which pretty much affects everything. <laughs> so from mood to sleep to inflammation to pain to alertness to menstrual cramps, like all of these things are impacted by our central nervous system. So if you're going to take a CBD product and you want to be certain of what's actually in it, you want to go with a company that triple lab tests its products. So when you find a company that does, you know that they actually care about the quality of what's going in each and every product, They're every CBD product. And that's why I personally selected My Soul CBD as a company that I align myself with. I love their CBD Dream Capsule. It's amazing. I take it every night. But I'm also a big fan of their CBD gummies. They taste delicious. They're super affordable. And they are triple lab tested to make sure that they don't have any THC. And they contain the highest grade of 100% organic grown in the USA CBD. You can get yours for 20% off by being a listener simply by going to mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. You don't even have to enter a code. Again, it's mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. That link is in our show notes as well, but I encourage you to give them a try, not just the gummies, the capsules. They also have THC tinctures, like an oil that you can place under your tongue in a variety of flavors, or you can add it to your water. Just do me a favor and remember that not all CBD products are made with the same attention to detail. They're not required to triple lab test. That's something that our friends at My Soul CBD do because they care about quality. And they care about you, and that's why you get 20% off. And by the way, when you do shop with our sponsors, that's how you support the show. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. It means the world to me. I appreciate you. They appreciate you. Enjoy your 20% off. You will not regret it. MySoulCBD.com forward slash Shalene. So you may notice that my voice is a little more hoarse, and it's been a little hoarse the last couple of episodes. And that's because I was sick. I had some kind of a cold. 
don't worry, it wasn't COVID, definitely not COVID, but I just got knocked out with one of those summer colds where your head is like super congested and then I get the nasal drip and that's making me cough and be very, very tired. And then in order to sleep and not cough all night, I was taking cold medicine, which kind of knocked me out. And then I would wake up during the day and feel like completely groggy and out of it. And it just took a toll on me. And and when I say it took a toll on me, it took a toll on me mentally and physically. And it was an opportunity for me to take inventory on some of my own still remaining negative beliefs. So because I was, you know, not in a state to be able to concentrate or focus, I just I felt so sleepy. I felt so out of it. My head felt like it was going to explode, like, you know, a sinus cold, a true sinus cold. Well, I had heard from a friend that this cold was going around and it only lasts two days. So in my mind, I was like, okay, cool, two days. I'm going to be down for two days. It's no big deal. And then on day three, when I was still sick, I was annoyed and just trying to push through it. But I couldn't, like I physically was just wiped out. And my mind kept telling me, keep going, keep going. But I just, I couldn't focus. I didn't have any energy. I skipped my workouts for two days. I just rested for the most part. And then on day three, I'm like, okay, I don't have a fever. This is just a head cold. I'm going to go to the gym and just lift. But doing that just completely wiped me out. And I came home and just passed out and took a nap, which to me is so uncharacteristic. Like I just do not nap. And one of the reasons why I don't nap is because of guilt. I know that napping is good for you. I know that sleep is good for my brain. I know that having a healthy brain means I'm going to live longer. I'm going to be smarter. I'm going to be able to do more and be more productive. Yet I have this negative belief that if I'm napping, I'm being lazy. And if I'm being lazy, then I'm not being a worthy person. And as I've mentioned before, I've done therapy on this and I I know I've made tremendous progress. Like I want to talk about that. So I almost want to honor myself in recognizing that I've made a lot of progress, but there's also still work to be done. And I think that's the main takeaway I want to share with you because I think by sharing that with you, you recognize the same in yourself. Like even when we make progress, it doesn't mean that we're like done. It doesn't mean that we've fixed it. We can tuck it away, put a bow on it, and forget about it. I think progress is great, but we also have to be self-aware enough to know that there's always more work to be done, and that's fun. That's enjoyable, but it requires being aware. In the past, if I was not doing something that was making someone money, then I didn't feel worthy. I felt like I didn't have value. And I felt like whatever I was doing was a pointless pursuit. Even if it was just helping somebody, I had to be finding a way to make other people money or to make my family money, or I didn't feel valuable. And I've done a whole episode about like where that original belief started in my childhood, you know, just a couple of early childhood experiences that warped my thinking and made me believe that to be true. And then I did a lot of therapy around that particular subject. I shouldn't even say a lot. I did EMDR therapy. Like I would say it took less than three sessions to almost eradicate that belief. I no longer feel like I have to be making people money. That was corrected, or I should say reprocessed with EMDR therapy. You guys have heard me talk about it many times. I'm a big fan. But this last week has made me recognize that what is still there 
is the drive to be busy, to always be doing something. That hasn't gone away. While it's true, I think I've made tremendous strides with regard to, I no longer feel like I have to be making people money in order to be valuable. Like I thought that I'd made a lot of progress because now I can just be doing something. Like I can be on a bike ride with my husband. I can be enjoying time with my family. I can be painting rocks with my nieces. I can be scrolling Instagram. I can be recording a podcast. Like I can be doing things for other people. I don't have to be making money, but I do still need to be doing. And it kind of smacked me in the face this last week when I wasn't able to do pretty much anything because of, you know, having this being sick. I couldn't think. I couldn't type on my phone. Like I literally, my head felt like it was going to explode. I could just kind of lay there and breathe or cough. You know what I mean? And the less I was able to do, the more down I started to get, the sadder I was becoming and the more frustrated. And I don't want to say depressed because I think that's a pretty serious term, but I was definitely blue. How about that? I was definitely getting down. I would describe myself as being bummed out. And I could feel it kind of getting deeper and more pronounced each day of this head cold, especially if I couldn't do things like just simple things, for example. And thankfully, it was over the 4th of July holiday. So for example, Brett was going to take his father on a bike ride. And normally, that's something we all do together. But I didn't even have the energy to roller skate or to pedal a uh, beach cruiser, which is, it's frankly, it's not much work. You know what I'm saying? But just getting myself up and onto a bike, I just didn't have that much energy. And it kept really bumming me out. Now, granted, I knew that it was a cold. I knew it was going to pass. I knew that each day I was getting a little bit better. I knew that getting back to myself was just on the horizon. Then I started getting mad at myself for being mad at myself for just taking a few days off. And I kept thinking, like, what is wrong with you? Like, you don't have a serious illness, you're not paralyzed. You haven't been injured. You don't have some incurable disease. Like, what is wrong with you? And I was getting angry at myself for being down about the whole thing. Please tell me I'm not the only one who does this, where you're angry with yourself for being angry about something. (laughs) It's just this big, giant, pointless circle. And I just stayed in it. And I guess that's the definition of stupidity or sanity, insanity, is just staying in this loop and Maybe that's a little bit what it feels like to have depression or anxiety. I don't know. I'm not someone who normally has anxiety. I can't say that I've ever been depressed that I know of, but just a couple of days of beating myself up for beating myself up. I can't think of anything more ridiculous than being upset with yourself for being upset by the fact that you need to rest. That's the most ridiculous, ludicrous thing that I've ever heard of. But it forced me to examine why. And actually to ask myself, is this a bad thing? Is this a good thing? Is there in fact a healthy amount of busy? We all need purpose. We all need to wake up each and every day and have something that we're responsible for, something that makes us feel alive, something where other people are dependent upon us or we know that we're helping them. I've been listening to this book by Atul, A-T-U-L, Gawande. I'm going to spell it G-A-W-A-N-D-E. And the book is called Being Mortal. In this book, the book, by the way, is it was recommended by one of you. And it's about medicine and kind of 
how we have, as a society, we've taken medical intervention to provide people with quality of life and the end of their life. And it kind of examines like, but are we really giving people quality of life if they're, you know, hooked up to feeding tubes and laying in institutions where family isn't able to see them anymore and strangers are taking care of them and we're just prolonging their lives. I'm not done with the book yet, but I've read enough of it that it's helped me to recognize that one of the key factors when it comes to quality of life, in other words, our happiness, our fulfillment, is having a purpose, having something to do, having activities, having busyness. And the more people are just left to just exist, the quicker they die, the faster their quality of life diminishes, and the more unhappy we are. Now, what's interesting is the book I finished reading just before this one was called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. So let me start with that one first. In The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, you know, he kind of describes the life that probably most of us are living, where you've got cell phones that are going off with notifications and you're checking your email 24-7 and You've got a notification that so-and-so is going live on Instagram, that you've just received a Facebook update from your best friend, that you've got a new Google calendar alert. You get an alert that your Amazon package was just delivered. I mean, it's like all of these notifications. And on top of that, you've got family and children and sports and church and work and all these obligations. And it's just go, 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 go. But at the same time, it's gotten worse because we feel like all of those things have to be documented on social media or we have to keep up with what everybody else is documenting on social media. And there's so much information that we now have access to. So it just feels like you're in this constant state of hurry, this constant state of acquiring things, of doing things, of being busy, of being more and of taking on more and doing more things. Actually, reading that book helped to confirm for me a lot of the changes that I have made, for example. As you know, I don't check my email. I don't keep email on my phone. I don't have notifications for Slack, for work-related correspondences. I don't have any notifications turned on for my apps, for any of my social media apps. And as a matter of fact, I don't respond to most text messages unless it's after 11 a.m. So I've got some really clear boundaries in place that allow me to feel less hurried. I've also recently taken on the practice of being completely off social media on Sundays. And it's helped tremendously, tremendously. Now, some of the examples that he shares in the book, I mean, they're amazing. And I think that would be awesome, but I don't want to do that. And I don't think I can. And I don't know if I really want to do that. Like, I think it's remarkable that people can completely delete all of their social media platforms. That's great. That's awesome. But for me, that's how I connect with you. It brings me a lot of joy. I just have to have the right boundaries in place so that I'm not doing too much. I can't, and I don't think I want to eliminate hurry. I think I want to reduce hurry. And I think I've done a really good job of that. And this last week was an opportunity for me to reflect on how it makes me feel to do almost nothing. I have to tell you, I didn't like the way it felt. And I don't know if that's bad. Again, maybe because of the juxtaposition of reading these two books back to back and understanding how when you don't have to do anything, for example, at the end of your life when you're in your 80s and 90s, no one's expecting, no one's really counting on you to do something. But then what happens to your quality of life if you're not doing? 
it's diminished. So I do think that there's a healthy balance for us to create where there's a healthy amount of doing, where we wake up each day and we feel like we have time-sensitive purpose. And the reason why I say time-sensitive is because I think a little bit of hurriedness, which is what you feel when there's something that has to be done by a certain time, a little bit of hurriedness gives you vibrance, gives you life, gives you adrenaline, makes your heart race. It makes you feel alive. I want you to do this with me. I want you to daydream for a second, okay? Keep your eyes open if you're still on the road. But I want you to imagine right now that you are going to be going on a one-month to a remote island where there is no cell service. There are no nail salons. There's no mall. There's no movie theaters. There's really nothing to do except to cook meals with your family. There's no TV. There's no radio. It's just you and the land, and you've got all the food that you need and your family's there, okay? But there's no phone. There's no internet. There's no TV. There's no entertainment. There's no job. So it's just you waking up each day and figuring out what to do with your family. (laughs) So how you doing? I personally would be really uncomfortable for a while. I know that I can get used to not having my phone because I've done that. Like I dropped my phone in the lake last year when I was visiting my sister in Michigan. I dropped my phone in the lake and I was without my phone for like six days. And after the first day or so, I stopped grabbing for this imaginary phone. Like I started enjoying it. But I had to find other things to do. This is what I was going to say is Eventually, I couldn't just sit there. I personally didn't enjoy just sitting and thinking. I had to have a piece of paper. I had to have my journal with me, and I was writing down notes, and I was journaling, and I was writing out plans, and I was organizing. I still had to be doing things. So if I were to picture myself on this deserted island with no external distractions, I know I still would need to do. I would need to be doing I would need to garden. I would need to clean the beach. I would need to build a hut. I would need to be doing something. I can't just be. And maybe that means I'm not evolved. I don't know. I think that's normal. We've got to stop beating ourselves up if we don't enjoy just existing. And I realized that's what I was doing last week. I was disappointed in myself because I didn't enjoy not doing anything. And then I read this quote, feeling the need to be busy all the time is a trauma response and a fear-based distraction from what you'd be otherwise forced to acknowledge and feel if you slowed down. (laughs) Well, that quote made me feel even worse about the fact that I was not enjoying slowing down. Did this mean that I was running from some fear that I had? Did this mean that this was a trauma response to something? Or is it true that we were meant to be creators? We were meant to do things. Our creator created us to create. And create might mean gardening. It might mean making a phone call. It might mean raising your children. It may mean building a business, creating a TikTok, organizing your closet, calling a friend, returning an email, straightening up the kitchen going for a bike ride. And I guess what I've discovered this week is that 
we're inundated with experts and gurus and information that tells us that there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. We're all supposed to be able to just sit and exist and meditate. And apparently, if we can't do that, then there's something wrong with us. It's a trauma response if we don't want to just exist. And I just don't know that that's true. I think it's different for each and every one of us. I know for me personally, there was a time when it was unhealthy, that my busyness related to making people money. It wasn't just busyness. I had to be working. I had to be earning money. I had to be making other people money. And that was an addiction. And that for sure was something I had to deal with. But the fact that I like to be doing things, I don't think that's bad. I think that's the way God created us. And I think when we look at people in their final stages of life, that's what helps people to hang on. That's what gives them quality of life is knowing that there's something they can look forward to. Who looks forward to just existing? But the question we need to ask ourselves is, how much busy is too busy? Is there a point at which your busyness is, in fact, to distract you from that which you don't want to deal with? We all know the couple who have their kids in 95 different sporting activities, and then they're involved in the church, and they're involved with volunteering for the school, and plus they work full time. And then they've got dogs and they're just go, 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 go. And everything is scheduled in every single moment. And there's never any downtime and there's never anything other than hurriedness. And then once the kids are gone, this couple realizes not only do they have nothing in common, but there's also this underlying resentment that they were just scheduling away. Their lives were so busy that they never had to deal with it, even though they kind of knew it was always there just beneath the surface. Or maybe your busyness has just become a habit. It's a way, in fact, of distracting yourself from the things that you don't want to deal with. Your own pain or your own past or maybe even things that you know you should be doing, but instead of doing them, you're keeping yourself busy with other things. And that's the question. We know we all want to live a life of purpose. We want to be doing. We want to be creating. We want to feel that our lives serve a purpose. We're alive for a reason. So how is it we can evaluate our busyness? And it's an individual question. I don't think that there's a right way or a wrong way to do this. I think that one person's out of control, chaotic, crazy, busy day might feel like a lazy walk in the park to someone else. We all have a different standard, a different set of principles by which we evaluate how we're feeling And that's what I want to do. I want to give you just some simple questions to ask yourself to figure out if, in fact, you are way too busy. Number one, if you can't remember the last time you took a day off. Number two, if you feel guilty to just sit down and eat a meal without doing something else at the same time. Like if you can't eat your dinner without also checking your email or doing something on your phone at the same time whether that's going through social media or watching TV, like if you have the inability to actually just enjoy a meal and the taste of it and chew everything thoroughly and think about the flavors and what it is you're eating and to eat in a relaxed manner, that's a pretty good sign that you are overly busy. Number three, if when you wake up in the morning, you already feel exhausted. You feel more exhausted, in fact, in the morning than you did the night before or before you went to bed. 
It's funny how overly busy people often don't recognize or fail to acknowledge what's going on in their bodies. They fail to acknowledge how overstressed, overbusy, overworked they are. But the body will often, as they say, keep score for you. The body will tell you what your mind isn't willing to admit. So if you're just constantly dealing with a low level of fatigue, there's a pretty good chance you are overly busy and maybe even addicted to the busy. Number four, the important things like taking care of your health or getting more sleep feel like they're low on your list of priorities. There's more things you need to get done, more things that you want to accomplish. So because of that, you are diminishing the importance of things like your exercise or eating healthy or getting more sleep. Number five, most days you're not looking forward to the day. If when you wake up and you look at your schedule for the day, it feels daunting, like I've just got to get through this. Man, you just say to yourself, so busy, so busy. We've got to do this, 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 and this. And there's no amount of excitement. You aren't happy about some of the things you get to do that day. You're not looking forward to it. It just feels like, okay, we're just going to plow through. We're going to get through this day. If more often than not, that's how you feel when you look at your schedule for the day, there's a good chance you are overly busy. If you feel like you're failing in the important areas, then it's very likely that you are overcommitted, overly busy, and it's not allowing you to prioritize the things that are actually important to you. In other words, you're keeping yourself too busy to do the important things. If you feel, generally speaking, that you're unhappy and you don't know what it is or why you're unhappy, and you also feel like you don't have time to figure it out because you have so much on your plate, so many things are scheduled, so many things you have to attend to, there's a very good chance that your busyness is masking something just beneath the surface. If you feel like you're on autopilot, that each day you wake up and you don't even have much choice, you don't get to figure out how you feel that day, you just have to go, 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 go. You're going from one appointment to the next or from one obligation to the next or from one project to the next, and there's no chance for you to just breathe and figure out what you want or what you feel, there's a very good chance you are overly busy. Next, if stress is taking a toll on you from a health perspective, it's affecting your immune system, your gut health, hormones. Basically, if you are aware that you're under stress, like you get to that point where you're like, I am under a lot of stress. I mean, we need not go further. You already know that you are overscheduled. You're over busy. We've got to figure out what needs to come off of your plate. More troublesome, however, are the people who, often type A's, don't even know how to acknowledge that they are overworked or overstressed or overbusied. So instead, it'll show up in their bodies. That's when we see immune system responses. That's when we see neurological responses. That's when we see people turning to things like drugs, alcohol, even over-the-counter medications or prescription medications, coping with addictive behaviors. And these are a way of us saying, I'm not stressed, yet subconsciously, we obviously are under a great deal of stress. And that's why we're turning to something to distract us from that stress, which quite ironically, keeps us even more busy. Now, here's a big one, and it's important, and it may sound contradictory, but are you lonely? Are you so busy that you don't have the opportunity to take care of you, to connect with you, to have downtime, to connect with the friends and family members who are maybe reaching out to you to take them up on those requests or 
to initiate those requests? Are you simply so busy that it's causing you to be disconnected from the important people in your life, the people who make you feel connected, the people who make you feel grounded? And lastly, do you feel checked out? Does it feel like you are just flying through a checklist every day, going from appointment to appointment or project to project? You're on your mobile devices and you just feel like your mind is wandering. Even during intimate moments, maybe with your significant other, you just cannot be present when everyone else is feeling joyful and excited or happy. You're finding yourself almost faking it, like not being able to actually be present in the moment and feeling the emotions that everyone else is feeling and your busyness is maybe robbing you of your ability to feel present and to actually feel those emotions. That's a really good sign, my friend. You're just doing too much. And it's different for every person. Again, what is too much for one person feels like a walk in the park to someone else. Like we all know what's right for us. I know what I can handle and I know what I can't handle. I know what it feels like to lose the ability to be present. And I am really in tune now with when I put just one more thing on my plate And that's the point at which I would start saying yes to many of these checkpoints that I just shared with you. And sometimes it's just that one thing. Sometimes you might feel like I've just got so much going on, I can't handle my life. And it's really just that one last thing you added. Or by removing that one obligation, that one appointment, that one client, and that one extra thing that made everything feel like it was too much. Which leads me to our action step. Because to this point, really what I've done is helped you to identify if in fact you are doing too much. And I hope that you understand there's no right or wrong way to do life. There's no right or wrong way to be present or to be calm or to be doing or to be purpose-driven. Like It's an individual pursuit. Each one of us has our own unique journey and it's about figuring out what's right for us. Knowing how do you define success. But based on your own personal assessment today, I want to give you an actionable takeaway so that you can do something about it if, in fact, you feel like your life has gotten overly busied, overly hurried. You'll do this. Take out a pen and a piece of paper. This has to be done with a pen and a piece of paper. So if you're driving or exercising while you're listening to this, you can do this exercise in writing later. But you, you definitely want to take a pen and a piece of paper. And what I want you to do is just start Monday through Sunday, your typical week. I want you to write down everything that you're doing, everything, every obligation, every appointment, open up your calendar. And I want you to look on a typical month or a typical week. What things do you regularly have scheduled? Write them down. Just write a quick abbreviation for those things. Next, I want you to open up your phone and look at your text messages. And I want you to scroll back maybe a couple of weeks and just look at all of the individual names. Look at the names of the people who you're regularly having conversations with. Because oftentimes, this is where you're going to find it's one or two people who are sucking the lifeblood out of you. They are the straw that's breaking the camel's back. Maybe you're too emotionally invested in their problems, and maybe that's serving you. You might feel like, oh, I'm always dealing with their problems, but you're also find that you're reaching out to find out if they have problems so you can step in and put on your Superman cape or Superwoman cape. I know I'm guilty of that. Oftentimes when I feel overwhelmed, it's like one extra text message will come in from that needy friend or from that 
you know, person who I might be mentoring who it's like, oh, they're just not getting it, right? And I just, I get one more text from that person and I feel like I have too much going on when in fact, it's just one too many people that I'm giving my emotional energy to. That's something I have to be aware of. That's a boundary I have to set. I have to put myself in check there. So it's really important you do this. Go through your text messages. Take a look at who are your longest text messages with. When you look at a certain name, oh, does it like make your stomach kind of drop because you're like, oh man, I have to deal with that or I have to solve that for them or I have to smooth that over for them or I have to take care of them. Like More often than not, it's the people in our lives that cause us stress even more so than our activities or obligations. Now, you want to give yourself some time to make this really exhaustive list of all the things that you are doing, all the obligations that are currently stacked up against you, your calendar, people that you communicate with, places you need to be, things that you have to do for work, things that you maybe should be doing but you're not doing. So make an exhaustive list. Take your time in doing that. And then... I want you to add on a column for the things that you should be doing, but you don't have the time to do it. I don't know, like organizing your home or keeping your office clean or updating your phone, cleaning out the garage, calling your grandma, finishing that online course that you started. Okay, so make a list of the things that you know you need to do because they're important obligations and you just haven't had time to do them. And then the last part of this list should be those things that bring you joy that you haven't had time to do, like maybe exercising or going on a girl's trip, spending a day shopping or scheduling an appointment to get Botox. Listen, no judgment. Like just make a list of the things where you're like, you know what I really want to do? I really, really just want to go country line dancing. Like, I don't know, something that you're like, it brings me so much joy. I love doing it and I, I haven't had time to do it. Make that list. All right, once you have all of these things on paper, do me a favor, please do this because I want you to take a, a picture of it with your phone and send it to me, would you? Send it to me, send it to me on Instagram. Send it to me in a DM, okay? I'm at Shalene Johnson. But once you have this complete list, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just put an asterisk by the things that they jump off the page as being stressful and things that you don't enjoy and also likely things that you can figure out a way to either do less of this or to take it off your schedule completely or to just do away with it or outsource it or give it to somebody else. But like when you look at this entire list, there are things or people, there are names maybe that jump off the page at you where you're like, okay, this is a sore spot. This right here is eating my energy. I don't enjoy it. I don't love it. Or it's hard. It's cumbersome. I'm resentful of it. It's the too much. And I'll just bet that there are just a few things on your list that if we started with those, everything else feels manageable, doable, maybe even the perfect amount of busy. Now, in the off chance that you've made this complete list and you in your mind believe that there's nothing that can come off your list, then I need you to sit down with somebody whose opinion you trust. Okay, not someone who you can bulldoze, not someone you can argue with, but somebody who you can trust. And I want you to go over this list with them and listen to what they have to say. Let them ask you the question so you can figure out what has got to come off your list. I want you to imagine that you've got just three months left to live. I guarantee you would look very differently at that list. 
you would prioritize those things that are important. You would prioritize the things that brought you happiness. You would prioritize the people who matter most. Take a look at that list and start ruthlessly eliminating those things that don't belong there. Life's too short to do nothing, and life is too short to be too busied, too hurried to actually enjoy it. Listen, I love you. I mean that. I hope that you'll do this, and I'll talk to you soon.